0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's by low time for week five on the pod. Get yourself fired up to go make some deals and squeeze out some extra value. Welcome, one and all to Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for hanging out with us. This was seemingly a pretty big hit last week, so we're going to do another buy low segment after uh, we had a few that cashed in almost right away, actually. Uh, Brooke Lopez, probably the largest of the names on last week's buy low list that rocketed up the board. He's now number 38 in 9cat after sitting in the 90s last week. That type of jump, well, doesn't usually happen in one week. But we just knew, because the field goal percent is now up to 45 instead of 39, the blocks have held steady, the free throw percent is up to 79 instead of in the low 70s, and these little things, even without a ton of extra usage, we knew would shift bodies up the board, and those are just the types of guys that we're going to be looking for here on today's episode. Please, before we dive into all the names on the list, I think I have four. Five of them, including a couple of repeat offenders that we might even be able to get. Well, one of them cheaper, one of them actually slightly more expensive. Before we dive into the names on today's board, please, everybody, take just two seconds to flick at at that like button, that subscribe button, however you're taking in this podcast. Uh, Subscriptions go a long, long way. So uh, come on over. Hang out with us a bit more permanently. Permanently. Find me on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Sports Ethos or Dan from Hoopball, and you guys can find me just fine over there. Let's get to the names on the board. Here it is, the buy low le- list for week five. I know, this sort of uh, remedial PowerPoint presentation that you guys get to look at, but at least the graphics are clear. Name number one is a repeat offender from last week. It's Jaron Jackson Jr., who showed a couple signs of life over the last week. But overall, his rank actually dropped, believe it or not. Mostly because his field goal percent dropped. The other stuff held fairly steady week over week, but his field goal percent is down to now 43.2%. His defensive stats have remained at half of what they were last year. Half. And that's a big drop for someone who's... Value was fairly well tied up in defensive stats. Remember last season, JJJ was at three blocks per game. Very, very good. One steal per game for a big man power forward center. Also very good. This year, 1.6 blocks. Basically cut in half. Steals, 0.5. Almost exactly cut in half. Field goal percent is down from 50.5 to 43, as we mentioned, which again, I don't know that we can necessarily guarantee the field goal percent comes back because last year, was the more anomalous number for him. He had never been up in that stratosphere while also being a guy who took a bunch of three-pointers. So let's assume, for argument's sake, that JJJ does not get his field goal percent back up. I still think we can assume that the defensive stats loop around a little bit. Maybe not all the way to four per game. This was sort of the, like, why would you draft someone like that in the first round whose value is so heavily tied in one category? But even if it gets back to some fraction of it, instead of a a half or less, which is what we're sitting on right now, is almost right around 50%, you've got to figure that those blocks and steals come up a little bit, especially because his minutes are actually the biggest they've ever been. So even if the rate comes down... The, how many minutes, how many opportunities he has on the floor comes up. And it's also possible, by the way, that when John ja Morant comes back, this team might actually utilize him for what he's good at more. Maybe you don't need to take so many shots. Maybe you don't need to be more this volume guy. And we may be seeing an instance of, it doesn't happen very often, usage does not equate to value. It almost always does, 90%, 95% of the time. But one out of every 10, one out of every 15 or 20 players It's actually better when they're doing less, and JJJ may be turning out to be one of those guys. So, on the board, his current nine-cat season rank is around, is in the 60s, depending on what board you're looking at. 64 on some, 65, 66 on others. That's generally the range right now. I still think that if his defensive stats get back to some range around what we're hunting, he can still get up into the second round. And maybe we could even say, if we want to say top 30 instead of top 24, that's also probably fair. The nice thing about JJJ is because he didn't really make any progress over the last seven days, you can probably get him for a little bit cheaper now. Where last week we talked about picking him up for like a 30 to 35 range guy, this week you could probably try throwing out someone maybe near 40. And it's gonna have to be a big name near forty. Dejounte Murray is at forty-one. That's a big name near forty. Miles Turner at forty-three is a similar player to JJJ. Maybe you can try to flip one for the other. If somebody's annoyed that Miles isn't getting maximum minutes right now, it may change your team makeup a little bit. But someone like an Alperen Sengun who's scoring a lot of points, but I don't think folks have really noticed that he and JJJ are scoring within like one point of each other. Shengun's advantage over Jaron Jackson is largely in the assists department, but I don't think he's catching him in defensive stats anytime soon. Um, Nick Claxton, who is going to be a big time defensive stats guy, but he's going to wear your free throw percent down. Maybe not a big enough name, but someone you could consider. Someone like a Jalen Brunson who's working his way up the board. He was a little bit of a buy low recently, um, but now he's kind of worked his way back into closer to where we assume he's going to be. Maybe still a little bit below that mark. But these are some of the guys you can see in that range that that drive the name value in a way where it might be able to get you Jaron Jackson Jr., the other repeat name on the board, and this one is a guy who actually got more expensive. I wanted to put two names that I thought you could still maybe squeeze a couple of bucks out of. JJJ is the, the sort of easier repeat offender. And then Freddie Van Vliet is the other one who actually has moved up the board, although his very poor shooting night yesterday and a loss at Golden State moved him back down a tiny bit. So the numbers on your screen are are actually not perfectly accurate. He was 50 before last night when I was making up these uh, panels for the show. He's now 54. So, you know, whatever. Doesn't change things all that much. He's at 38% shooting, which we know is probably going to come up to 39 or 40, but not change all that much. Everything else with Van Vliet parallels or even improves upon what he was doing in Toronto with the exception of one category. And it's the same thing we talked about last week. Steals. And over the last seven days, he hasn't really added any steals. He's still at only .6 per ballgame. And sure... We can assume that because the Rockets are playing more of a position-based defense, guys are not going to be gambling as much. But Freddie Van Vliet has always been near the top of the league in deflections, and that's the kind of thing that even a team that's going for more positional defense is still going to value. By the way, he's ranked 48th on the Yahoo board, and he's 55th on the Basketball Monster board. So uh, again, we can kind of average out the in-between. But Freddie Van Vliet, basically since he's cleared 30 minutes in an NBA game, which is like four or five years ago, he's been more in the 1.7 to 1.9 steals range. You know, Early in his Toronto career, he played 20 minutes, he had 0.9 steals. But even then, you're looking at a rate that was more like one and a half to two steals per game, and this year would be his lowest since his very first season, where he played eight minutes a game. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. And if you're thinking, Dan, maybe it's age. No, I don't think so. He's only 29 years old. He's not past his prime yet, even if you think he's maybe a year on the wrong side of it or whatever. You're not going to see this kind of erosion, especially while he's posting career bests in assists right now. Uh, And he's only taking one fewer, one less, shot per game than last year. Career 40% shooter. His shot profile's not all that different year over year. I would expect his field goal percent to tick up just the littlest bit. And the steals, that's the big one. And, you know, again, it doesn't seem like a really big deal. But one extra steal already for Van Vliet. You're talking about an extra 12 on the season. And that's enough to maybe win you two or three of your weekly matchups right now. So this starts to compile. It starts to add up over the whole year. It's why these low-volume stats, like steals and blocks, and even three-pointers to some degree, where one makes a really big difference. It doesn't sound like that much. One sounds small. But the difference between half a steal and one and a half steals from your guy, that's multiple rounds of rank-related value. So Freddie VanVleet... Still in that 50 range, or a 47 to 60 range, again, depending on what board you're looking at. I I still think it should be pretty easy for him to get inside the top 40 once the steals come around. Maybe you could even hunt higher than that in terms of what do you think his final number is going to look like. And I think right now you could get him for an equally ranked player. So someone else in the late 40s to early 50s that maybe has, you've seen settle in a way that we know, Freddie VanVleet hasn't settled yet. The great leveling has not taken effect on him. Now, would I use the same types of guys as JJJ? No, I don't I don't think you needed to go as expensive with Van Vliet. I think people value JJJ more if they're selling him because they drafted him probably inside the top 20, whereas Van Vliet was going you know mid to late 30s. So right now, honestly, he's not even that far behind where he was getting drafted. But I still think if you look at someone like a DeAndre Ayton, who's 45th, or uh Jalen Johnson who's 44th these guys that we think might have some slippage over the next little bit even a Nick Claxton who we just talked about although you know he, he probably continues to work his way up the board as the minutes come around so perhaps that's not the best move you're gonna need somebody who you think is leveled off Clint Capella is probably leveled off that's probably not enough to get it done Jalen Duran when he comes back if he posts a giant rebounding game that might be one to look at Zach Levine There's almost no way he catches Van Vliet, but there's a lot of name power there, and he scores a lot. There are a few names that I think could get it done. I'd be careful not to overpay. You know, Jalen Brunson, he's still on his way up. We just talked about that, so maybe not the best pairing there. Um, Mark Williams in Charlotte is having a monster of a season. Maybe that's an interesting one to throw out there, but people probably don't trust it. If Tyler Hero wasn't hurt, he would have been actually a really good one to throw out there. Cam Thomas, while hurt, might be a good one to throw out there because I don't think he shoots 48% on eye volume for the year. I think that probably turns into a number that hurts you. But those are a couple of names we might be able to get for Freddie Van, or to use to get Freddie Van Vliet. Let's get into the new names now on today's show. I got three new ones for you guys. Jalen Williams of the Thunder is the first new name on the list. He's currently ranked a 97th uh, on the Nine Cat board, depending on what site you're looking at uh, 88th on basketball monster. So somewhere between 88 and a hundred is, is sort of the consensus spot for Jalen Williams right now. He was drafted uh, around 55 or 60. And I still think that's the target for him because the beauty of Jalen Williams right now is that like Freddie Van Vliet, everything is right where it needs to be except for one category. And it's the same one as Van Vliet last year. Jalen Williams, over the entire season, shot 52%. This year, 52%. Last year, late in the season, when he was posting gigantic numbers, he was taking about 12 or 13 shots per game. This year, he's taking about 12-ish shots per game. So, you know, the differences are, are minimal. In fact, when he was a top 30 play the second half of last year, He was at 16.5 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, which, again, look at his numbers right now, 17.5 points, 4 boards, 3.5 assists, really not all that far off. Uh, Late last year when he was surging, he was at 1.23 pointers, he's at 1.1 right now. His percentages were 53 and 85, this year, as we mentioned, 52 and 88. The big difference, again, late last year, He was at 2.2 combined defensive stats. 1.8 steals and 0.4 blocks. So far this year, he's at 1. That's the difference. It's basically the only difference for him. His turnovers are a little higher. He's at 1.7 late last year, and he's at over 2 this season. But that's a small little blip that might even work itself out. It's the steals. And even a little bit, the blocks. This is a guy who's playing more minutes this year. He's doing more stuff. The steals are going to come around. He's a terrific fantasy basketball player who's just not hitting his mark so far because he's at 0.8 steals, which is, like Freddie Van Vliet, almost a full steal lower than where he was during a big run late last year. And I don't know that he's going to get to 1.8 or 2 steals per game. It's very hard to maintain numbers that high, but I think we can safely assume he's going to get into the low-to-mid ones, so 1.2 to 1.5, somewhere in that neck of the woods. We're 13 games into the season. It really only takes one or two bigger steals games, run into a Russell Westbrook or something and get three or four steals. Bingo, bango. You're basically back where you need to be in less than a week. I think he's a really easy buy low candidate because we know he's going to slowly work his way up the board and he's been extremely productive even without the steals. So I still think he can get into the top 55 range where he was getting drafted. And I think right now you might be able to get him for somebody with some name power around 70. Um, who would that be, potentially? I wouldn't go for somebody who's who's sort of lagging in the 70s, uh, and the guys with big names there are maybe not the easiest to move. Asar Thompson is one that has a ton of buzz because he got off to that crazy start, but his defensive stats have been coming back down to where we kind of assumed that they would. Crazy, crazy start. D'Angelo Russell might get it done, not after a very slow ball game, which he had last time, but after he puts up his next big one. Um, Keldon Johnson's been scoring a lot. That might get it done, even though we know he's going to likely peter out as the Spurs get healthy, as just the world takes its toll. Sorry, one coughing fit per show is sort of where I'm at these days. What other names might get it done? You could go farther up the board, I guess. I don't know that I would do like like a... Demar, to me, that feels like you're overpaying. Zach Levine, these guys are all in this this nebulous, gross little Spurs land. Um, Chris Paul is inside the top sixty. Some of that is because Draymond's been out. Maybe that would get it done. Maybe he might be overpaying a tiny bit there. But Jalen Williams is gonna is gonna move forward, um, and I I like us all to be a part of it when it happens. Next name, we're down to our last two. Jared Allen, which again, this one feels like a pretty easy one because much like with Jalen Williams, there's almost nothing that we actually need to fix with him. This this is the these are the buy-lows that are just like jumping off the page. Last year, Jared Allen, who like, look, he was fine last year. He wasn't he wasn't a, a break the bank kind of guy, but he put up top 40 numbers. And how did he get there? Well. Last year, he shot 64.5%. This year, he's at 63.5%. Is that different? No, not really. Last year, he took three and a half free throws a game. This year, he's at five. So he's been a bigger negative there without really changing much of his actual game profile. Is that likely to come back where it usually is? I would assume so. You know, he's not really been a five free throw guy before. When uh, Cleveland, he was at four and then three and change. I don't see a big reason why that should change much unless he just got a way better at getting fouled year over year, which seems unlikely. Steals are a little low. Blocks are a little high right now. Those things will kind of—one will come up, one will come a little bit down. Maybe. Blocks could actually stay at 1.4 because he's done 1.6 before. Turnovers, fine. Assists, actually slightly better. The issue for Jared Allen right now is he's not getting as many shots as usual, and he's not getting as many rebounds as usual. But the reasons are pretty obvious. He's not getting the same minutes as usual because we were told two weeks ago he's on an indefinite minutes cap. At some point, indefinite typically becomes defined, a definite minutes cap, or doesn't exist. At some point, he's just going to get turned loose. And we're really close to it right now because his last two games, he's played 32 and a half minutes and 29 in a couple of wins for Cleveland, a team that's been coming on. Not surprisingly, since Jared Allen got healthy, they've been better. Their defense is way better when he's out there. People are like, oh, what if Evan Mobley just takes his job? He does, he's not gonna. They like Mobley at the four. They like Jared Allen at the five. They like running a defense where they have sort of a, a backup rim protector at all times. So no one's ever getting any easy shots against them. And so the last three games now, his minutes per game is up around 30 instead of 27. Does that mean the usage is going to go back up exactly where it was last year? No, that's not a guarantee. But we are seeing uh, Donovan Mitchell's missing games here and there. Darius Garland's missing games here and there. Karis LaVert is missing games here and there. There's enough available for even a lower usage guy like Jared Allen to go out there and get, you know, eight shots per game instead of maybe we want him up at nine. But even if there's erosion, that's the other part of this. Even if there's erosion... He still shouldn't have any problem blowing past where he's at right now because right now his numbers are built on this low minutes that he's been getting. So I've set my target for Jared Allen at top 65 or higher. Uh, That feels like a pretty attainable number for him. He's currently ranked 115, which is absurd. I think you could probably get Jared Allen for somebody in the 80 to 90 range. I put 85 to 90 on the YouTube graphic, but maybe you have to go a tiny bit higher than that. It's going to have to be somebody with a little bit of name power as always. That's the way you get things done on trades. So who's in there that we don't think is going a ton higher? Devin Vassell, a high-scoring guy who I think is generally being overrated because of the scoring that probably gets it done. If Terry Rozier was healthy, that would probably be a name that I'd throw out there. Franz Wagner, he's out he's right at 100, but people see the 18 and a half points per game and they like that type of stuff. These are guys that actually like if they're scoring They probably get it done. Would I go as high as Keldon Johnson? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. I know he's at 78, so maybe that's just outside of our our buy range, but I think I would do it. Dennis Schroeder in Roto, I think I would give up. I know he's at 16 points and 7 assists. Those are hard to find, but if you can afford to drop the assists, you're going to get a guy who likely blows past Schroeder at some point this year. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is not a terrible choice, although he's also actually kind of on the way up so maybe you hold off and don't spend him on somebody if someone's annoyed with Daniel Gafford's minutes in Washington or if you're annoyed with his minutes that's a guy you might be able to throw out there Denny Avdia who doesn't have name power but he's been sort of safely in that 80 range so far this year a lot of options that could get you Jared Allen I think you take a shot see if you can get him Last name on the board for this week, OG Ananobi. I almost missed him when I was making up my list because I couldn't believe that he was down as far as he was. He's ranked number 97 on some boards, and on others, he's 94. Call it between 90 and 100 because all the boards are, they like, in that range, everybody is so similar There's like, it doesn't really matter. Uh The beauty of OG Ananobi is, like some of the other players we've talked about on this list, we just don't need that many things to change for him to get back where he needs to be. I don't think there's any chance he gets back where he was last year. Last year he was at 2.6 combined defensive stats in his career. He'd never been above 2.2 before that. This year he's at 1.9. But the other issues year over year, and this is the really silly one, he's shooting 62% at the free throw line. I just see absolutely no reason why that number's going to hold. So I, th- I expect OG's steals to come up because his minutes have been kind of artificially low due to blowouts and an injury. He missed a couple of games earlier this week, late last week. But the threes are where we need them to be. They're actually up a tiny bit. Field goal percent looks good. Rebounds a little bit down. Again, that's just because he's been on the floor about three to four minutes less per game so far this season. Assists are fine. In fact, they might end up good. Once his minutes get into the 33-34 range, the way we expect them to, steals will creep up as the minutes creep up, turnovers will too, but you know who cares? And then you're looking at basically replicating last year, even if he doesn't get all the way up to 84% of the foul line, which was anomalously high for him. He's been more of a mid to high 70s guy since he's settled into a starter's role. That's still like 16% higher than where he's at right now. OG Ananobi, what is it going to take, though? Somebody drafted him probably near 50. I think he gets into inside the top 65 without almost any problem at all. Moving two and a half, three rounds from where he is here is super easy. The free throws alone would probably take care of that, and then any growth in points, rebounds, or steals would push him higher. I think you can get him for someone in the same range as uh, basically what we just talked about. Look at those guys that are in the 75 to 90 range that have some buzz around their name. I detest Brandon Ingram's fantasy game. He's probably someone who ticks up a little bit, but honestly, I'd be trying to get out from Brandon Ingram because when that team is healthy, he's not going to be a top 50, top 60 guy. And this is what I yelled about all preseason long. Uh, Let's see. Drew Holiday, I was kind of low on this year in that Celtics spot. Maybe you could move off of him and switch him for a different guy who does kind of similar stuff. Um, who the hell do we just talk about? Keldon Johnson, Denny Avdia, Kyle Kuzma would be interesting. He just had a what did he have? 12-assist ball game yesterday, so his name is super buzzy right now. <coughs> Couldn't even mute my mic in time to cover that cough up. OG's a guy I think you should be moving on quickly, and he's probably my favorite low on the board. That's why I saved him for last, because I wanted him to also be the graphic on today's show. You guys probably noticed that. He was also the graphic on today's show. And he is our strongest buy and also the last one on the list. We're not doing any questions on this. Remember, the buy lows and the sell highs. This is just the info being thrown right in your face. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. These are guys I think you can go get at a slight discount where there's still an opportunity to get value above what you're paying to acquire them. That's the key for a buy low. You're never going to get a name guy the way that we're talking about here. You're never going to get a name guy for what they're actually ranked in this moment. You're going to have to pay a little above their current rank, but hopefully creating a buffer between what you pay and where you think they ultimately end up. That is how you pull off a buy low. Don't undershoot on these folks. You're going to upset the person with them. you got to go with a name that you think really has a shot, piques their interest, and that's the way that they'll know you're serious take a moment again please like subscribe it goes a very long way find me on social you really got to do that that's maybe the most important part it's at Dan vespers over on Twitter we do a whole lot of work on all of this stuff over there polls other buys other sells that sort of pop up quickly we'll hit all that stuff over on social media coming up uh, in a couple hours later today we'll have another show we'll break down the Monday card do a little recap stuff kind of get you resettled for the Tuesday evening it's uh, NBA Cup night Tuesday Friday action. I am Dan Baspers. This is a special bonus episode of uh Buy Low Fantasy NBA Today. A Sports Ethos presentation. Head to sportsethos.com and BK to get all of your fantasy basketball news. I'll see you guys in a little bit. A couple hours. Later.